Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's your strength, not the food, not the laughter, not the, not the wine, but the joy of the Lord. John 7, 37 says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus would go on to say that he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. King Solomon learned that entertainment fun and laughter, and even wine itself actually leaves you thirsty. What satisfies our thirst? According to Solomon, no amount of entertainment, food, or even laughter could satisfy his deepest thirst. Solomon had every resource available to man, yet found that all his efforts to bring lasting satisfaction only left him thirsty for more. In our time with Pastor Jim, we'll hear about Solomon's great exploits and his thoughts concerning the many pleasures he sought out as king of Israel. His extravagant pursuit of pleasure left Solomon empty and thirsty for more. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, What Happens When You Get Everything You Want? We'll have more information about the church and how you can get a copy of today's message. But for now, here's Pastor Jim. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 1 again. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. Well, reality shows have become big business, haven't they? I mean, they are all over the place. Years ago, those of us who are a bit older, we used to make fun of reality shows. Little did we know that they were so far ahead of their time. Recently, NBC came out with the news is they're going to resurrect a show from the 80s and 90s. This time they're going to have Nick Cannon star in it. And if you don't know what the show is, those of us who are a little bit older, all I have to do is tell you who the host was. Robin Leach. How many of you remember Robin Leach? Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. (laughs) And anybody remember his corny, corny ending? That's really bad. Uh... Wishing you champagne wishes and caviar dreams. It's <laughs> just awful, awful bad television. And Robin Leach was considered a pioneer of the genre of reality TV, if you want to call reality TV a, a genre. A genre is defined as an artistic endeavor. So I'm not so sure that reality TV is an artistic endeavor, but it certainly has become big business. Well, King Solomon, who lived about 900, 1,000 years before Jesus Christ, was the original lifestyle of the rich and famous reality star. If you went to the doctor's office, he would be on the cover of People magazine. He'd be on the cover of Fortune magazine. He'd be on the cover of Popular Mechanics. Uh, probably less in the doctor's office, but if you go to get your car fixed, he'd be on Oprah, he'd be on 2020, he'd be on CNN, he'd be on Fox, and yes, he'd probably also be on Jerry Springer, who I only watch when I'm getting my car fixed. (laughs) That's how I know it's time to get my car fixed, it's time to watch Jerry Springer. 
We said before that God gave him everything, but the problem with Solomon is that his appetites grew out of control, so he was no longer able to enjoy anything that God had given him because he had lost the context to enjoy the things that God had given him. And today, in Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, or the Bible writer, we've talked about this before, it could be King Solomon, could be a little bit more of an autobiography, is going to help us answer the question, at least I hope so, anyway, and it's the title of our message, what happens when you get everything you want? What happens when you get everything you want? So let's put aside our champagne wishes and caviar dreams for just a bit, and let's go to the reality of King Solomon's life. Verse one, he says, I. Now this is going to be perhaps one of the most important words that we're gonna look at today because it's all about Solomon. I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with mirth. Some of your versions say pleasure. Mirth really means I will test you with amusement or laughter or some kind of fun. Uh, Therefore, enjoy pleasure. So this is what he's saying to himself. But surely, uh, some versions say behold. He looked at it carefully and he said, this also was vanity. This was also a waste of time. There was no point What was the use of it all? So last week we noted that King Solomon put on his his wisdom glasses and he wanted to look at the world. Remember we said that he's the wisest man who ever lived until Jesus came along. He wanted to look at the world through the eyes of of, of a secular skeptic. He thought that if he was wise and observant that he could figure life out. But he concluded it actually didn't work. It actually made him more depressed. The more he saw what was going on in the world, he kind of comes to the conclusion that life is just a life without God, life under the sun, life just on the plane of earth of you go in the ground when you die and that's it, was a pointless journey to the grave. Life was just one big waste of time. And so he says here now in chapter two, he says, I decided to forget about wisdom. That didn't work. Let me try something different. Let me try pleasure. Now, this is very interesting to note that in Ecclesiastes, pleasure is not a bad word. In in Ecclesiastes, pleasure is, is actually something good. And in most of the Bible, it's good if it's used and viewed correctly instead of just going overboard with it. And the problem here is that King Solomon is seeking pleasure apart from God and independent of God. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know that when we seek certain things apart from God and independent from God, it's very easy to lose God, isn't it? I mean, it's very, very easy to lose God. Now, if you are here and you feel very much alone, you think, oh man, look at these decent church people all around me. They haven't lost God. Well, you should have come to the last service because a lot of those people on the way out, we're telling me, you know, I think it's easy for me to be all about me. And I'm losing God, I feel sometimes, in the process. So if that's you today, there is hope. He begins with, he said, I said in my heart. So he's thinking, he's, he's trying to figure out, what will pleasure teach me about myself? And ultimately, what will uh, pleasure teach me about living a life 
apart from God. Now, I'm not so sure, and we'll see evidence for where I get this for in a second, I'm not so sure that Solomon is what we might call a, an off-the-deep-end prodigal. I think he's more uh, the way I was uh, prior to becoming a Christian, prior to God just showing me who his son Jesus Christ was. More someone, I was in business and I, I wanted to get to a certain level in my business and I got there. And I was like, this is it? I thought I'd be a lot happier or a lot more joyful when I got to this area, but I didn't get to it. And I think that's kind of where Solomon is. I think he's kind of at, at sort of a, sort of, what's the point? I mean, why, why am I, you know, remember we said on the treadmill and then all of a sudden you just realize you get off and you haven't gone anywhere. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? So notice here he uses the word test and all the students, especially the college students, now it's final times. You're like, come on, I'm, I don't want to talk about tests. I don't want to talk about exams. And uh, he's conducting an experiment. And, uh, but this is not um, some scripted reality show. Did you, did you know that? A lot of reality shows are scripted. How many of you didn't know that? Didn't know that. Okay, you want to hear something even worse? Professional wrestling's not real. <laughs> it's not real. You're like, why did I come to church today? You just ruined my life. Now, this is not a scripted reality show. This is a reality life. And he's using this word, I, I, I. And King Solomon has decided to take the path that most people do. And isn't it interesting that when you drive by our churches in Northwest New Jersey, most of the parking lots are fairly empty, yet the diners are full, the roads are full. Some of the shopping center parking lots are already full. See, what he's doing is he's doing what most people do He's decided to take the path of choosing personal pleasure and happiness exclusive of God. Looking for personal pleasure and happiness, if you will, over God. That my own personal thing, my own personal whatever I'm doing, is more important than God. And sadly, part of the human condition is we, we often walk down paths, don't we, that we know our vanity, that we know are a waste of time, that we know actually might end us up in a really, really bad place, but yet we do it. And here's the thing. God lets us do it. God lets us do it. Why? Well, because he knows at the end of the road, when everybody else has given up on you, there stands Jesus Christ at the bottom of the barrel. You ever been at the bottom of the barrel? Usually you'll find that, that only Jesus is there. Sometimes people say to me, you know, they're not Christians and they feel like, you know, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. And I say, I know this might sound odd, but I'm praying that God greases that rope. <laughs> so you end up at the bottom and you realize that Jesus is the only one there. Well, let's quickly run through three of King Solomon's experiments. There's probably really about eight or nine, so I'm just going to combine them. And uh, number one, if you're taking notes, is he tells us, I sought pleasure in entertainment. I sought pleasure in entertainment. Look at verse two. I, he goes, I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth or of pleasure, we might say entertainment. Uh, let's pick on the young people, endless video games. 
I said of that, what does it accomplish? Or what is the, what is the use? What is the point? Verse three, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine. And then he makes a very, very interesting comment. He says, while guiding my heart with wisdom. So he's saying, I'm going down all these different roads of pleasure, laughter, wine, uh, you know, having a good time, catching a little buzz, but I'm doing it as an experiment. I'm keeping my wits about me. Now, some of you are like, oh, he's deceived. Okay, well, we'll have to, we'll have to see. He, and he says, and how to lay hold of folly that I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under the sun, not independent of God, all the days of their lives. A lot of your versions say, most versions say of the few days of their lives. In this little thing, this little breath we call life. Now, Solomon was crazy rich. Read the book of First Kings and you will see when Solomon threw a party. I mean, if you and I threw a party like Solomon, we'd need to rent an arena. I mean, just these thousands and thousands of people. So let's put it a little bit more into our kind of thinking. We might say something like this. So I really was feeling empty with life. I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to have a little bit of pleasure and joy and happiness in my life. So I went down to Best Buy. I checked out the price on the internet so I could lowball the guy. I went down to Best Buy and I bought a massive home theater system. I got some good wine, not the cheap stuff. I got some really good wine And I sat down and I watched my favorite TV shows. Now it's interesting what the the most watched shows in America are. Number one, Sunday Night Football. Number one. Number two, The Big Bang Theory. And when Sunday Night Football is not around, Big Bang Theory is way out ahead of everybody else. Number three, a good friend of mine, Leroy Jethro Gibbs, NCIS. Interestingly enough, very high up in the ratings are anything that follows NCIS. I mean, you could be this terrible show, and people would just, they're just vegging out. They're like, I ain't changing it, right? I'm too tired to change the channel. And so those, those shows that come after it, no matter what they put in the slot after it, and then after that, do, do very well. Now, some of you young people are like, I don't like these ratings, Pastor Jim. Breathe easy. The Walking Dead still rules in the 18 to 49 demographic. But Solomon's old. He probably doesn't watch The Walking Dead. What Solomon does is he just comes home, plops himself in front of the tube, watches old reruns of Seinfeld, and waits for the Big Bang Theory to come, except on Sunday night when he watches Sunday Night Football. Now, this is going to be very hard. Take a deep breath, everyone. Okay. Solomon did not have a television set. Solomon did not have Netflix. He didn't even have YouTube. (gasps) But what King Solomon did was he probably went out and bought some house comedians. So basically, his his home became like a, a comedy club. You'd go to Solomon and say, hey, Did you ever uh, hear about Jimmy Kimmel or somebody like that? And you'd be like, yeah, he's on staff at my house, right? He would just go out and buy whatever whatever he wanted. Verse three, he he says, I turned to wine to help me feel better. I turned to wine to cheer me up. 
And interestingly, he says, I drank with wisdom. In our, in our way, we say that as I drank responsibly, right? Now, some people do okay with alcohol. The Bible seems to indicate that it's okay to have a drink, but drunkenness is, is not good. Uh, a lot of us don't drink because we do more than okay with, with alcohol, right? We're, we're like excellent drinkers, so we're like, we're not going to drink, all right? And, but if you find yourself defending yourself over your drinking, you know, if you find you keep having to tell people, I can handle it, right? You probably can't. You probably can't. Now, maybe for King Solomon, uh, drinking and wine in the Bible is actually a picture of joy. Maybe that's how it started out. And then it kind of moved to drinking to relax and then drinking to forget. So his home is now a comedy club that serves drinks with an open bar and plenty of people that come around and take advantage of the open bar. See, while laughter and, and laughter is good medicine, right? And wine is indicative of joy in the Bible, can also be things that cover a broken heart, right? And a lost soul. And neither laughter nor wine or substances can save. And ultimately, neither of them or nothing of that sort can give true joy, what the Bible calls joy. Interesting, in Nehemiah chapter 8, after Solomon's time, the, the people of God had been carted off to Babylon for their sin. The enemy had come in and, and conquered them. And then when they came back, Ezra opened up the Bible and he began to teach the people the Word of God. It had been so long since they had been taught the Word of God. And it actually says that they started to weep. I wonder if we just take the Word of God for granted. And in other parts of the world, people maybe with one page of the Bible, you know, we have 20 <laughs> it's so confusing, I don't know which one to read. Pick one. <laughs> and just people would weep that someone would give them a page of the Bible. Constantly, I get invited to go to places uh, overseas to, um, you know, I told them once my last one goes to college, so I guess I got to start making good on those invitations that just to teach people the Bible because they've never been taught the Bible by people who have just even just a basic understanding of it. And so these people wept when they were taught the Bible because it had been so long. I hope that our country doesn't come to the place in a couple generations where our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren are weeping because it's been so long since somebody opened up the Bible. And after they were gone, they were told you know, to go home and eat and drink, to go home and, and celebrate. And then that wonderful verse, they said to them, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's your strength, not the food, not the laughter, not the, not the wine, but the joy of the Lord. John seven thirty seven says, On the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus would go on to say that he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. King Solomon learned that entertainment, fun and laughter, and even wine itself actually leaves you thirsty. Like the more you take in of it, the more empty you feel, the more thirsty you are. Well, number two, Solomon tells us, I sought pleasure in work. I sought pleasure in work. You might put it this way. You might say he sought pleasure in accomplishment. 
And I think that God puts in all of us the desire to accomplish something with our lives, but there's an unhealthiness about it, and there's certainly unhealthy when we separate our accomplishments from God. He says, uh, verse four, he says, I made my works. Now, you're talking about a guy who's just not building a little business. Everything he did was large scale and huge. You know, people go like, well, I wanna have a garden. And other people go, well, you know, maybe we should get the taxpayer money and, 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 and build a park. And Solomon's like, I, wanna, I want my backyard to be a national park. I just want it to be huge. He says, I made my works great. I built, notice how much he says I. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. So every home-based reality show would love to feature King Solomon. I mean, his estate, his home was like this massive park, but yet King Solomon seems to be realizing that while they might want to profile him on lifestyles of the rich and famous, that you might want to call his show Lifestyles of the Rich and Foolish because he's beginning to build things and try to accomplish things that are not giving him satisfaction. And how often people sacrifice a relationship with God to work. How often people, now I'm not against working, we all need to work, but how often people sacrifice a relationship with God in the name of accomplishing something. And here King Solomon is building his own Garden of Eden. A Bible scholar, Derek Kidner, says this, that King Solomon created a secular Garden of Eden with no forbidden fruits. In God's garden, in God's world, God makes the garden, and God is the king of the garden. In Solomon's world, he makes the garden, and Solomon is the king. Remember we said that God had given Solomon everything. As a young man, God said, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom and understanding to rule your people. God says, I'm gonna give you that and a lot more. But interestingly, now, presumably in his old age, Solomon sees himself as a self-made man. Solomon has forgotten the Lord. In the first Kings, it tells us that Solomon took 13 years to build his house, but only seven years to build the temple. Seven years to build the house of the Lord. What's happened? He's become a man of confused priorities, more about him than it was about the Lord. Solomon is creating his own little world apart from God, but the emptiness of that world will eventually crash in on him because it is not the work of the Lord. You ask, what is the work of the Lord? Interesting that God would tell us what the work of the Lord is and how to get to heaven in the same sentence. Jesus said, John 6, 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent, that you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And the Christian life is a life of continual trust. Well, number three, the third experiment, he says, I sought pleasure in wealth. I sought pleasure in in wealth. So he's moved from accomplishment to accumulating things. Look at verse seven. He says, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born 
in my house. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you were a servant or a slave of his, the Bible talks a lot about slavery. It's not, it's not condoning. It's just mentioned that it did happen. Jesus didn't come to change the government. He came to change the, the hearts and minds of people. It would only take one new person in power to change a government, but the hearts and minds of people can be changed for all eternity. And so if, if he had a servant and they had a child, that servant, that child would now be his servant. So he said, I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. For us, it's it's cars and houses and vacation homes and all that kind of stuff. For them, it was was things like herds and flocks. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing messages of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? ChangedByLoveRadio.com That's ChangedByLoveRadio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them that you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you will make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.